Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Good evening and welcome to So Emotional Podcast. Uh, This is number five and I am Nicholas Carl. And I'm into uh, somatic experiencing. That's the thing I have uh, the most experience with, emotional stuff. Here with our co-host, Angela Wetzel. And she's a uh, (laughs) trauma-informed relationship coach. And she does specialize in attachment. And we talk about emotional things. And welcome, Angela. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thanks, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Righteous. All right. We made a couple (laughs) notes about the things we were going to talk about tonight. And first, on our list... Uh, bullet point one. Um, this was this came up because a friend of mine had sent me this clip from it was a Bobby Lee podcast, and some of the one of the guests was talking about uh, becoming an empath, and there was two that there was two paths to becoming an empath. Somebody who's just emotion super emotionally sensitive. I guess that's how I take that. You know, I'm an empathic. And uh, she said that there was people who are just had naturally tinged, and then the people who were like forged in it and. Uh, through their parents and my friend had sent me this clip and she's not um you know she's not sort of into all the uh, emotional lingo right she's not into the lingo i said oh yeah that's like that's parentification you know and i sent her a couple clips about what parentification was and so i don't know what i'd like to talk about is like Okay, you become very sensitive that's what empath you know, I, how was i take it? what empaths are but Angela, do you think you could like, outline what is parentification and what, like, what, what, how does that forge you? How does that make you? What does it turn you into as an adult? Um, you know, I'm remembering part of that conversation now, and I was thinking about the whole empath thing. And back when we were first talking about it, I said I thought there were three pathways to become an empath, but now I don't remember. <laughs> But um, so empath, I think, and HSP are kind of like crossover, you know. Highly sensitive people. Yeah, highly sensitive person um, because a highly sensitive person is actually a biological thing. There's a number of mutations that happen Hmm. um, with neurohormones and um, just the, the roles of like dopamine and serotonin. Um, and also there are more, um, nerve endings. So it, it actually is a more highly sensitive individual physiological condition, physiologically. Yes. Like biologically more sensitive, uh, more mirror neurons. So that would lend a person to be so much more sensitive to their environment and also really aware of everything that's going on. So that would be, that would be one part of it. Um, and what was it? It was two pathways to what? Empath? Two pathways to becoming an empath. And so in the podcast, the Bobby Lee podcast, and I should have looked up the, who the guest was, but uh, it was that some people were just born that way and it were just naturally attuned into the emotional sphere. Right. And some people were forged into it by the, their relationships uh, and how they, right? Right. Which is like, what is parentification? Um, thanks for reiterating that. Um, so my other thought was, is being an empath generational and does it come from maybe generational trauma, um, and the necessity of the individual, the, the human, or even like maybe the animal, because there are, I believe, highly sensitive animals too. Um, does that come from certain like elevated levels of like cortisol and um norepinephrine epinephrine like in the 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 amniotic fluid like are there certain precursors um that make it a generational thing as well so that that's like another question that i have but um (laughs) to go into parentification it's essentially uh, a child that becomes a parent that becomes a parent 
to their parent. Um, and so from a young age, they have certain responsibilities or they tend to take on responsibilities to um, take care of the family, to become the parent's emotional confidant, to become sort of a parent, a partner to the parent. So there's kinds of enmeshment. There's um, certain levels of responsibility and emotional sharing and things that happen that are way above and beyond the capacity for the, the child to really be able to have that kind of responsibility or be in that adult role. And that can happen with um, through divorce. So when there's divorce and like if the parents aren't doing well, um, then the child can become like a partner to the parent and emotionally caretake. Or it might be a situation where there's uh, alcohol abuse or, or different kind of substance abuse or even financial issues where there's a child or, or mental health, emotional issues where the child is um, not only caretaking the parent, but taking care of other siblings. And so it's becoming a parent parentification. Right. Okay. So I think about, so as a child comes into the world, right? It's like you are so needy and so dependent and so looking to your person, right? Your parent for all of these cues and all of the support essentially constantly, right? And so I think the, like the basics of it, and it can start, and I know that comes in a lot of different flavors, but the, the essence of it is like, here I am as a child, and I am looking for the stream of it, like the stream of care to always be coming this way, coming at me. You're going to care for me. You're going to listen to me. You're going to respond to me. You're going to be after me, right? Mm -hmm. But it's when that stream gets turned around. And now we are looking, you know, it's like we're following, we're looking. And I always think about, like in my household, it was all about, and it was subtle. It wasn't, it wasn't like a gross thing, but it's an eggshell thing. So it just becomes, mother becomes the pole that everybody is sort of like circling around. You know, she's not like tending, in, looking inside of us, following us, chasing us, you know, looking after us, caring for us. It, it's just turned around slightly, right? So mm -hmm. she is caring for us by like making sure we get fed, making sure the lights are on, you know, the dinner's on the table, you know, but for our emotional beings, it's always the other way around. And it's, it was, I don't know, it feels kind of insidious about how like subtle that was, right? Yeah. I know that like in other situations, you know, you talk about late, I, you know, I think this probably happens at different ages or whatever, but in, in parentification, parents can start to have, uh, sort of inappropriate emotional relationships with a child, right? As like being a caretaker to them in like a, almost a uh, uh, married sense, you know, they become the emotional support system for the absent uh, other partner who's there, right? Yeah. So that there's all sorts of different flavors that it can, that it can take, right? Or all sorts of different ways. But, but I think the essence of it is this um, like flow, flow of care and concern and connection. And where really it should be, you know, hopefully mostly coming like into the child and like, you know, the child, the, the child is, right. is the center. And then all the care sort of like swirls in and around it, you know, and it's a sort of a switching of, excuse me, switching of that dynamic where it's then the, the child is hovering around because the child is so dependent, right? So dependent on that person for the care, for the concern, for the like how they are seen in their eye, that that's where it just becomes like a like essentially a giant, a giant like uh, Pandora's box of issues, right? Right. So I need to make sure you're okay, so that I'm okay because I rely on you. Right. I rely <laughs> on you. Care of me. Right. Like I rely on you for certain things because I'm a small human and I can't you know, necessarily reach the phone or I can't drive somewhere and I can't, you know, I don't know how to do so many different things. Right. We, we talk a lot about att attachment based dynamics. So a parentification is just a dynamic of an attachment system and how it's playing out through time, you know? So like, you know, I talk about the, you know, the perfect world where the child's and the, all the, all the love and information is flowing down to the child and being flipped around. Um, so yeah, definitely an orientation, like, I guess a way of forming a, a kind of attachment, like the dynamics of that attachment. Right. 
So we talked about then how does this, if you were parentified, and so in my household, my parentification style was just like, you know, mom is kind of in her own emotional world, and we hover around that trying to like get the little bits of love from her, right? So fast forward into real life, into real 3D life, you know, and I'm out there, I'm out here on the plains, you know, trying to, trying to get my love, you know, and my attachment style that I developed, I would say is disorganized, but in the beginning, it's being super like highly sensitive and uh, uh, it's anxious to begin, right? So it's just, and, and, it, and it really does uh, model, uh, mirror the relationship that I had with my mother, which is just like sort of scared of her emotions. Like, uh, you know, okay, I'll just, I won't have a personality. I won't be myself, but I'll be whatever you, th you want me to be so that I get some love. And so that happened to be a style that once I became sort of, you know, aware and educated of how these things go that I saw in myself playing out. So that was one way uh, that I saw in myself, uh, mm -hmm. which is the anxiety that that sort of provokes and how like, tuned I will be to my partners, you know, and just like sort of very hypersensitive, you know, and I think that that comes as a result of my own personal printification. And you had yeah. talked about uh, disorganized, and it disorganized is almost a mixture of being, so what I described is uh, being anxious, like really leaning in, not really having any boundaries, really wanting to please the person, as opposed to avoidant which is like something you know like this is too intense or something and i need to seek safety elsewhere but you talked about how printification you think is the underpinning of a disorganized style why do you think that is well i think that um based on the individual that there's going to be some kind of anxiety that happens from that situation because when you don't have a regulated adult to help um regulate your emotions so right. children need that stable secure mm -hmm. um like you're gonna be okay kind of thing right. from an adult and when they in the absence of that there's going to be different strategies that develop mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily going to be um one thing and um because we're not ever fully like secure we're not ever fully avoidant we're not ever fully anxious it's how much of these different types of things do we exhibit and it can really kind of go any way depending on what the dynamics are so in your case you are talking about a predominant flavor of like anxiousness which is being super attuned and hyper aware and like really feeling like you need to get love and like, what do I have to do to get the love that I need? Right. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of that, um, you might notice that there's some avoidant things too, that can come from, um, a parentified thing. And that might be, um, feeling overly responsible for their emotions. Mm -hmm. Right. Which then can cause a different type of anxiety. Like this is too much. Right. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, I'm failing at being, um, at helping. I'm not, I'm, I'm worthless. I can't do this. Um, or it's just shutting down because there's no one there to help you make sense of anything. So there's like withdrawing and like pushing away. Emotions become painful because what we see is an adult that's not able to deal with their emotions. And, um, so I think you can get both flavors of that because the thing that you're experiencing, you can model. And then also it's like how you're acting in response to that behavior too. So you actually get both sides of the coin. And from my own experience, it was, um, I actually think that I, I may have had more of an avoidant flavor come from mine. Yeah. Um, because, I, when I, um, I got married, I was married for like eight years. I wasn't super aware of the anxious stuff. And then after, um, I had gotten a divorce and then I was like in another relationship, it like amped up a little bit more. Like I could feel a little bit more. And then it wasn't until like my third major relationship. And, um, it was very Freudian in a lot of ways. So it was a 
a lot of things reminded me like of my dad and things like that. So I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so Freudian, uh, like so similar. And that was when my anxiousness, like it like exploded. Kicked off. Like I, I, I it was, it was, it was really wild because it was just suddenly so intense. And of course, like our attachment style can definitely change based on our relationships as well. Sure. So like, but I don't think that I was actually secure um, in my marriage. Like there was a lot of enmeshment. We were both parentified children for sure. And there were a lot of unconscious codependent patterns that we were playing out. So he was still caretaking his family. And I was like in agreement in some ways, at least unconsciously, if not full, if even if it wasn't conscious that um, our mothers needed to be protected and taken care of. And they were the martyrs and our dads were that the assholes kind of thing. So there was some flavor of that. Um, but I do, it's kind of a complicated thing to talk about because on top of anxious and avoidant, um, there can be other, there can be like another strategy on top of that, which is counter dependent, which is a little tricky. And it's like, you can have an initial formation of attachment and attachment style, for example, anxious, let's say anxious attachment, which is just not having a steady, reliable source of attachment. And so it kind of sets up this like, um, reward and deficit cycle to where um, it keeps you like looking for and waiting for the next piece of love and connection. So it's, it's deprivation and reward. Um, and that kind of creates an addictive cycle of like, I'm going to keep hanging on. I'm going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep like staying in it. Right. And then when that doesn't work, there can be like a shutdown that happens. You can still have all that anxiety of wanting that and then being like, oh, being needy doesn't work. This isn't going to get me what I need. So now I'm going to try something else, which is pretend I'm not needy at all. I'm going to be super cool and like not give any fucks. And you will never know, like I will die on this hill and pretend that I don't give a shit about you because I don't want you to control me, but also I don't want to appear to be weak or I don't want to appear to be needy because that neediness will get me rejected. Right. And so counterdependence can kind of come off as avoidance, but I would almost view it as like a veneer that goes over anxiousness. Right. Right. And so there's just like a lot of things that happen when we as humans need to adapt to our environment just to get the love and connection that we need. Um, we can definitely twist ourselves into a pretzel unconsciously and just, it, it's almost just like, um, like a, a tree or roots that like grow up through a sidewalk. Like it's going to find the path of least resistance, whatever mm -hmm. that is. Right. And it's going to grow like around the sidewalk. So it'll be, right. it will be shaped and formed in some way in relation to that sidewalk. And it's not really different in relationships. It's like energy finding a way. Mm -hmm. um, so it is hard for me to try to look back and say exactly um, everything that was going on. But based on both of my parents' attachment style and understanding more of like generational trauma and all like the unconscious, like everything that was passed down, what was healed, what wasn't, I can definitely say that there are flavors of anxious and avoidant in both my parents. And my dad is more avoidant. My mom is more anxious. And so I personally believe that. And, and, and when I test also... Um, and there's a great attachment style quiz that you can take on your personality.net. And it's nice because it like plots it out on a graph and gives you um, a representation of how you connect to your mother, your father, um, or whatever those like relative figures are. And then uh, friends and lovers. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to me that I show up as more avoidant with my mother because her energy is so very anxious when it comes to me. Mm. And so there's um, a feeling of dismell, which is, um, which is I, I forget who coined that phrase, but it, it's almost like gross. Like, ugh. Yeah, right. 
um, which I think is a bit instinctive anyway. Uh, if we feel that energy of like someone trying to grab on grasping it, on, yeah, the yeah, grasping, grasping energy. energy, it's like, ugh, get away. Right. So right. there's, there's a reaction that's like kind of pushing away or running away or like, I don't want that responsibility, but it can also feel like being overwhelmed or suffocated or just yeah. being claustrophobic with people. Like I'm getting boxed in. This is freaking me out. It's too much. Um, and, and I kind of conflate that with ego death. It's just like, I don't have an identity if you swallow me and you are swallowing me and I have no say, I have no boundaries. Like I need to get out. And also I don't want any part of whatever this is. And in my own parentification, I talk about throwing myself on the grenade. It's like, I couldn't have made a different choice. There were so many factors in like birth order and personality. Sure. And also some very interesting inherited generational trauma and limiting beliefs. And I don't even know what you would call them, like family, like culture, you know, just certain stories and beliefs. Yeah. And whatever it was, it was just, I was the one that um, just stepped up and became my mom's helper. And I emotionally took care of her and... Um, in my dad's absence and um, I didn't even question it or think about it. Sure. And then looking back later, there were a lot of things that were said to me, like really intimate um, details about my parents' relationship, about other relationships, all kinds of things that I just had no business knowing about or even understanding or seeing um, from this young age. And even at the age of six, I told my mom to get a divorce from my dad. So I was already like giving relationship advice. Um, so just for a child to be in a situation like that and already saying, look, I can tell what's healthy and what's not. And I can tell that neither of you are happy. I could sense the desperation and sadness and the, the hurt in the home. And it's really shaped who I am and also what I'm here to do, um, which is help people really have a lot of compassion for themselves and to um, remove all triangulation from relationships so that we can actually see and understand each other so that there's no like villains and and martyrs. It's like truly seeing um, beyond all of that, that like bullshit that there's, there's deeper things going on. And if we have an understanding, then we can actually see each other. And then we have a chance of like healing what's going on. But if we don't, then it's just like, you know, it's like a cold war and it's been decades of, and you know, my parents are now divorced, but they still hate each other. Right. So So that, that point in that relationship when your mother puts you into that place, you know, that doesn't happen in a vacuum either. That happens like on a continuum of thing, other things happening, you know. But, you know, would you do you think that that, you know, that parentification or that sort of dynamic sort of arising and you being put in that place, like, affected affected who you are, affects who you are today and sort of like puts you in some sort of bind? What, like... Um, you think yeah, it has a lasting effect? Yeah, for sure. I think it has lasting effects and impacts my relationships. Um, and I've done a lot of healing around it and I s- discover new things all the time coming up. Um, so parentification or that kind of like emotional oversharing, like um, that is also known as emotional incest. Right. And, um, and it, it's kind of like a heavy, like, you know, a lot of heavy, (laughs) right. It's like, Oh, incest. And it's because there is a, a level of intimacy that comes with it. And it's like in the development of like a child where they are emotionally, um, the, the skill set isn't there to really understand it. So it, it is kind of similar, I guess, in, in some ways where, um, and not to say it is the same as sexual abuse in any, in, um, in that way, but 
it's, it's a violation of a boundary, right? Like, a, it, is, like a, it is a violation of a boundary. But what's interesting is like when you were saying like my mom put me in this place, like it was completely unconscious, you know, sure. it happens unconsciously. Like, like there's, there's a void or she's needing emotional support because she also in some ways, like just didn't have that awareness or didn't have emotional support and didn't have the skill set to self-regulate and to find other healthy ways to co-regulate or to find calm connection, healthy relationships. And so it's just like, it kind of makes sense with the times, just how that can happen. And, um, and so it's, I don't really, I don't blame her. Although like I do have, um, emotional, I have feelings about it, you know, There are parts of me that still feel angry and put upon and used and and things like that. And of course I would have rather have been a child and enjoyed my childhood more. Um, But it, you know, that really didn't happen. And so now it's like um, doing the work means that I don't continue to put those parts in the same place that I was then without emotional support and feeling overwhelmed in that they have to take responsibility for everything. So um, it's important to me to really attune to those parts and to give them the support that they need through my own therapy, um, getting coaching as well, and, and taking the time to like sit with myself and actually feel these deeper things so that I'm able to catch these parts up to speed and integrate and, and right. um, I don't know if I fully answered your question, but I, I've seen it um, just show up in, in some of my relationships and around like avoidance of intimacy and, and it wasn't always conscious. So sure. yeah. kind of starting to see that and, and be like, oh, there's definitely some avoidant aspects that show up in relationship and anxious aspects. And I've seen both. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so there's, um, I was just going to talk about like disorganized and fearful avoidant because those things come up a lot and there's different definitions around, but disorganized is like anxious and avoidant. And um, most of the time, fearful avoidant gets grouped in with disorganized, or it's also called disorganized. Um, but I like this definition, and I like to make the distinction that fearful avoidant is the disorganized, is anxious and avoidant, with the addition of feeling um, afraid that you might be attacked or harmed uh, in relationship, like physically. Right. Or in so I was asking you like about how like it impacted your life and you kind of described some of the ways that you show up for yourself now and the excavation that you do and the ways that you try to attend to your own emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So it made it made me think about, you know, I was telling my story about, you know, being anxious in relationship. So I think when, if you don't go exploring, right, then you are sort of strapped to this wheel of that you will act a certain way and you will follow a certain pattern and for the longest time i was just like well this is just the way i am right but it's like you know it's like at the sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth time that it's like it plays out the exact same way you know you do begin to scratch your head and think like okay what the fuck is going on here it's like the only common thread in any of these relationships is moi you know it's me right Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I, I talked about being anxious going in, but the next part of that, because it changes, right, was uh, f- a feeling like I was going to be smothered, that I was going to be lost in something, which activated like a yeah. get the fuck away from me kind of a thing, you know, yeah. and, and very much like below, like, I don't know why, I don't know why, but I'm leaving, you right? Because, like, this does not feel cool anymore. Like, deep down in my bones, like, even if I wanted to stay, I couldn't stay because I'm freaked the fuck out, right? Mm-hmm. and that it did take a lot of like exploring and it took like you know like I, i've said in the past 
you know, for me to do some somatic experiencing, working with a therapist, like f discovering my own emotional being, which I had was divorced from, right? And then starting to tell the story in reverse. And it's so funny because when I started to tell my own story in reverse, <laughs> there's like so many things that are like, oh, no fucking wonder why I did that. You know, like, Jesus Christ, like that, like that seemed real crazy balls to me at the time, you know, mm -hmm. makes total sense now. And so to begin to like tell this other tale, and we talked about this before, like the emotional, the, <laughs> the emotional dimension, right? It's, it, it is, it blows my mind because I think it's like stepping into a whole new world, like there's not, this is not 3D world, this is 4D world. And the fourth, uh, or, you know, we'll, we'll call it 5D because, you know, fourth is time. And the fifth is maybe emotional. What was the emotional story? And what's your emotional heritage? What's your emotional upbringing? What were the things that happened to you as a child that, like, imprinted upon you? Like, you hold those things in your heart, how you believe and you see the world and you see yourself in the world. And then you move forward in relationship, right? Because that's where we get our love from is in relationship. And then how that plays out, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. Very cool stuff. And I do think that, you know, and for me, too, I think, too, that, you know, some of those and mine was, you know, like I, I don't have like a specific thing. I can't say it was like, well, I was on this day that this thing happened. It was very much like it was which I think is the essence of like a, a heritage, you know, or like an inheritance of my family and like how my parents were raised you know so this is like a th these are deep emotional things that get passed on generation to generation just ways of being not necessarily healthy or like generative but just ways that th that's how they experience right. the world and that's just what gets passed through and when you're not super conscious of the deep emotional dynamics that you live in and that you exist in and that you share with the people around you, then they will just be unconscious and they'll just flow on down through time. And then, you, you know, you'll give it to your children and then, you know, on through the future. Right. So I think that we are like, we're kind of explorers now. Right. I think that bringing more of this, uh, attention and consciousness into the emotional realm, like is pretty important. And so like uh, in, into this path, it's like how are empaths forged? I think that's just like one little sliver of like, you know, people call say they're empathic or where it came from, you know. Well, it's like you get so much. It's so fundamental about like all the assumptions you have about your own life and how you were raised and how you were habituated, habituated into the world, like make the person that you are out in the world. And when mm -hmm. you start to actually dig in deeply to your own unthought or like un- uh, unenlightened assumptions that's when you start to have to tell these stories right you have to start to like be like oh why did i do that and it's like oh well because that whole dynamic was happening you know and it's like <laughs> it becomes a whole tale right yeah i actually was just remembering what the initial conversation was and it was that sometimes you're initiated into being an empath because it's it's biological like you're born that way yeah. you're already sensitive right yes and the other one is parentification of some sort, or maybe some kind of heightened sense of, you know, trauma. I mean, I think trauma. So, you know, especially like what's going on in the Ukraine right now, like I can't, I can imagine that there's going to be a lot of um, like children that are thrust into being way more sensitive and aware of things just right. because of that that need to survive and like yeah. navigate everything that's going on, which is I was having a good life until all our lives were threatened. And, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. And then those things are, you know, passed on generationally as well, which I, I call blind inheritance because if it's like, sometimes we don't even know where it comes from or what it right. is. It's yeah. passed down, it's just right? there. Right. And, um, and there's a great book by Mark Wallen called it didn't start with you. And he talks about those experiments. Yeah that they've done with uh, mice and, and um, whatever that scent is that they, they um, the chemical that smells like cherry blossoms when they were shocking the bottom of the cages. And it's like the, the offspring, those new mice that had never been shocked before when they smelled that same smell had the same nervous system response. Right. So that's to me, wild. that's almost like a highly sensitive or empathic, right. you know, super sense that's happening there. And then I think we have a third type of person that is already predisposed. So they're 
a highly sensitive person. They're naturally biologically sensitive. They're an empath and they're parentified and they have trauma. So it's almost like being a super empath where it's, there's just so much sensitivity and just, and so much stimulus and just being so aware. And I think, um, it can be extremely painful to try to navigate the world as that kind of person. I cannot imagine. I think I'm middle of the road sensitive. Which I don't, I don't know. Feel as though I am that person kind of, Oh, I will say, yeah. Wow. Really sensitive. I'm definitely an HSP and, um, the chaos that I experienced in my home as well as parentification. Um, I had a, a long, long time of like having to learn and discover what to do with all my emotions that I was having. Cause I, I didn't have any support or proper, proper modeling or, or skill sets around even knowing what emotions were like how to interact with them period right so um yeah so that's been a journey all right speaking of interacting with emotions period okay okay you were born okay god bless you for that all right now you got to go out and get the basics right so you need you need some love right you need some attention and how are you going to get it? So this is bullet point two. And so it's coming up with the plan. And so this is just, this is arising from a few different discussions we've had. And it's definitely a strategy. So this, this, I think this falls into sort of like strategies or like ways to live your life. And like, uh, this is one definitely that over and over, like I've come to, it's, it's like, I go out, try to do my thing, beep, boop, de beep, boop. And then it's like, well, shit, that didn't fucking work, you know? It's like, here I am, back at square one, total fucking failure. Like, my needs buckets are all empty, and I gotta get these things, these motherfuckers filled. What do I do? Well, I'll make a big plan, right? I mean, what, what can he do? I just, it, it sort of, it, it strikes me as like, I wasn't given a lot of information about exactly what to do, so it's just like, yeah, you, you know, it's like, I don't know, you like, you bullet point it out, you know? we. And that's what we did here. We came up with a plan, what we were going to do in the future, right? So yeah, he like, and I do, I guess that I do. And I, I think that, you know, it's it's like, what do I want to do? It's like, I want to have, you know, like big muscles, drive a Lamborghini and have a, a billion dollars or whatever, you know, I mean, that's it, right? You know? Yeah. Right. Uh, so you put the carrot out there, out in front of you. And it's like, okay, well, I got to wake up in the morning, got to, you know, eat a proper meal and do a thousand push-ups, you know, and then like, you know, you know, like strive really, really hard to get to the thing out there. And I'm going to suffer in the meantime is what I'm, I'm going to have to do. I'm like, I'm going to just have to suffer. Even though all my needs buckets are empties, and like I don't really have anything to draw from, well, I'm going to have to like double down on that and like probably just suffer more until like I'm worthy enough to get my carrot and then I can stand up in front of the world and be like, hey, motherfuckers. Carrot, love me, you know. <laughs> and uh, we climbed the Sugar Mountain, right? You've been watching some of that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting when we don't really have a relationship with ourselves and our emotions. So like um, Heart Math Institute talks about this where our hearts have a unique electromagnetic frequency. Okay. And that frequency is encoded with our emotions and it's like always these waves always going out. And so that's partially how attraction works or, or what feels familiar is there's like emotional resonance. Mm -hmm. Right. But when all of that is unconscious, it's like, we have no idea what we're sending out mm. and we don't really have an idea of what we want and we're not really heart led. We're right. like trying to figure things out up here, like in our Head mind. Led. Head lead, yeah. So Head full it, of lead. And so that just means like we make the lists of what we think will make us happy. Oh, okay, like Lamborghini, uh, chick with big boobs, uh, okay. you know, like mansion, like check, 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 equals happiness. Or right. like makes me think of South Park, like that little plan, like the underwear gnomes. It's like, un like underwear something equals like question mark. Or it's like plus question mark equals profit. So... <laughs> They just, they decided they were going to get 
money from somehow stealing underwear. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was listening recently. I came across um, Azria and Ben Becker. Um, Aubrey Marcus had interviewed them in another podcast. And then in, in some interesting synchronicity, <laughs> um, I wound up on their Instagram page and they have a few videos or four videos in a series where it's like becoming, um, kind of like becoming yourself or like self-actualizing. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I had seen some like videos of them and I really like what they talk about. And it was just exactly this thing that I was sort of experiencing that I think it's so seductive to get caught in that trap of what I think is going to make me happy. And they describe it as sugar mountain. And so I had this experience of being lost, like way back, <laughs> way back in the day, I was like, I told my dad, like, I want to be an actor. And he was like, get a real job. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, if I have to get a real job, if this is how it works, then I'm going to study international business. And I did end up, um, I joined the military. I was a Korean linguist. I ended up working for the Office of Naval Intelligence. I literally ended up in international business and I was about to become promoted. And um, I was going to be a regional manager in this project. And I was like, I have already climbed to the top of this like ladder. And I was like, I don't want any of it. I was like, this is not the kind of life I imagined. And then my marriage was falling apart. There's all this stuff happening. And I had like the half million dollar home. I had nice cars. Like I went on vacations. I had all the things. I had a fucking cake stand. You know, I like I had a cake stand. Like what the fuck do I need with a cake stand? But I had a cake stand and I'm like, I'm not a cake stand person. Like I really don't. Beautiful cakes. Like I don't really bake that often and I'm, I, I like brownies, but I'm not much of a cake person. And I was just looking back, I was just like, I was like Betty Crock of shit. Like just not like I was living some kind of weird, like prescribed life, like Martha Stewart and some like 1950s housewife. And like, that was part of what I inherited, but also part of what I just thought I was here to do, like get married and whatever. And somehow I think at some point I was like hoping that um, I, I would like make time for me and do what I really wanted to do, which was acting. And I did end up like starting to go back into it. Um, but then it was like the, the seductive part was like that also became another like sugar mountain for me to climb and and so it was like, if I reach the top in that industry, like if I get some recognition there or if I make money there, then I'll be happy. So it just became all of these like means goals instead of like the real end goal, which was actually just emotions. It was like the emotions that I long to feel on a regular basis. Like, like what I want to experience in this life has more to do with an emotional landscape than it does um with like your Lamborghinis. A, yeah, like a physical landscape. Cause I, I could literally sit in a Lamborghini and if I'm not connected to my emotions, like I'll feel empty. Right. You know, or or I could be surrounded by a bunch of like surface surfacey people and I appreciate like music and deep conversations. And I could be utterly alone, surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. And so it's so much more about like our emotions and the those qualities that we want to experience rather than having these ideas up in our head which actually again like we can do this in relationship too is following strategy which actually removes us from intimacy because it removes us from our heart right i like that okay all right (laughs) I'm on board with all that. Yeah. It reminds me of what I said, like, I'm just talking out of my ass, like the fifth dimension of emotionality, right? About how important that it is and how we actually, that's what we need to pay attention to, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think that, like, I'm I'm aware-ish of my emotions, right? Like, I'm more aware than I was, right? Like, I think that I still have a lot of... You're very aware of your emotions. Okay, okay. 
More than the average bear. Great, great, great. I'm still making plans. Like, like I think that, like, I feel yeah. like I feel like that uh, when I'm struggling, it's like, okay, well, I got, I got to, when I struggle, it's that, that's like my go-to. It's like, well, I got to get in my head and I got to crack this fucking nut, you know? Right. And, and but I think that we can't escape plans either. Like we can't, we can't escape that because we're still, okay, let's say emotions are like 5D. Let's just say, I, I really don't know where they exist on the thing. Um, but- yeah. They're five. It's been, they told me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But like the 3d reality, like, you know, th this, right. So there has yeah. to be, uh, let's say emotions are like the feminine energy. So formless energy, like, um, chaos and movement and, okay. um, like the juice, right. The juice. And that's it's what I care. Class. That's what I actually care about is the juice. Right. Is the juice. But we also have these bodies. So we're in 3D. We're like living. Like, oh, God. There are illusory things because it, the 3D is always changing. Like, like nothing really stays the same. And if we were to be aware of every single little thing that was changing all the time, like we would lose our minds. Like, you know, I have this sure. Really sure. beautiful flower bouquet here. And if I were aware of all of the tiny de decomposition like of each little flower and leaf like i think i would lose my mind you know like the yeah. water's changing like i'm consuming things there's trash there's dust i'm like like hair falls out you know what i mean like all these right. things yeah but it's like we need both formless and the form in order to manifest so we need structures and and we need the emotion so it's it's almost like a marriage of those two two ideas. We can't be completely in the emotional space without taking concrete actions, okay. um, but in a in like a, a healthy dynamic marriage, the inspiration and the desires would actually come from that emotional part as opposed to the um, the three D or like the structure or the the masculine energy just being like okay what we do based on a thought right they have okay. to be connected all right so i'm seeing it now so it's like uh previous strategy is like i'm gonna take all my cues from my 3d brain okay and try to write those on paper and then follow that I'm path just gonna think and then i'm gonna follow those steps and okay. then i'm gonna get what i want okay and that's not working as opposed to responding to the actual positive emotion real juice desire that comes up and being like oh oh that's a thing and then making a 3d plan that sits on top of it that i guess collaborates with it you okay. know but it, but but as a cue as a cue of like which way yeah. direction to go yeah okay. as um as like more of the guiding light would be like the emotional sense, but then, I mean, there's other things that like come into that in okay. a healthy relationship. So there's like conversations. So it's, yeah, so it's not a carrot and a stick, right? Or sugar mountain where you're trying to get to the top of the mountain. So it's like, I don't know. It does feel like the cue is from inside somewhere, right? Or I don't know. So I would say like desire and that desire is emotional. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's staying tuned to that emotional frequency. And then there's, there's inspiration based on that. So things to do come up. Like you can kind of like, you can be inspired to make a list. Like I'm inspired to go like to Paris. Okay. Right. And then I can literally like make a practical list of everything but if I never check in and ask myself what I really want to do, like what would feel really fulfilling, then I might just follow this list by rote and not actually experience Paris. Right. I guess I'm trying to like. <laughs> There's something slippery, right? There's something slippery. It, I think it's a little hard to like quantify or qualify. Um, but I guess something that feels important to like talk about and like understand is I think what can happen with goals 
is that we can tie up our worthiness, like our sense of worth in the goals. And if we don't achieve those, then it's like our sense of self and worthiness, like all goes down the toilet with the fact that we aren't a success. Right. When it's like success is so very relative. Like we can see symbols of success, but the emotional reality within that resides within that can be empty Uh and be void of what we think those symbols will bring. Right. So it's like a cautionary tale of like, everything isn't really what it seems. And if we're going to rely on a a steady compass of something that will actually lead us in the right direction, it has to begin with inner inspiration as opposed to intellectual drives. Right. Yeah. That am am I, have I said that? No, that, 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 that's good. That's good. It's just like my, like uh i guess my brain is so just used to and it, uh, i think it's it's especially when it's in a, a type of like collapse or like a crisis of some kind you know where it's like oh my god you know but maybe it's not maybe i'm, I'm maybe maybe that's the time to to really be checking in and feeling very deeply like what it is like what are my deep deep desires right what do i need to connect with you know I think it's, it feels like, the, I feel like the direction that I want to go, because there's a feeling that's also, um, there's a feeling that's also connected with this idea of the stick or the sugar mountain and, and how that works, because just I've done it so many times and it's also, it's so impotent in my own life, right? Like it's, it's so ineffectual uh, that like, you know, like. I've described myself as like Charlie Charlie Brown and Lucy in the football thing like way too many times, you know? It's like mm-hmm. it's like my own almost inside my being I like have this like trip trigger. It's like are you going to make a fucking plan? Yeah, go for it, asshole. It's like, yeah, let's we'll we'll show you again that that's not how it works, you know? So right. I I think that I am like uh understanding deeply the importance of connecting with my own desires. But also the, um, you know, so I think about my needs buckets that are all empty and <laughs> like crying for 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 f- fulfillment, you know, and so that there's they're they're all there like you know screaming in my ears, you know, hey, we need some attention. Hey. <laughs> they're Italian. <laughs> yes, I'm a strong Italian boy. Um, but I, I I don't know I lose a little bit of like the uh, practicality you know of like 101 shit it's like okay okay fine uh, no more big plans like no more pie in the fucking sky no more Lamborghinis no more carrots right like, like okay now what do I do so I under so like this is the thing so yeah there's actually this is like a huge talk <laughs> it's a lot to unpack but it's like there's not necessarily anything wrong with the Lamborghini per se, you know? Okay. Like, because we can have a vision of what we think we want. Right. Like, but the way to necessarily get to that vision or, or even that vision does not guarantee us that emotional outcome. Sure. It's using that vision kind of extrapolating or, or taking the emotional essence from that. Uh-huh. So I picture Lamborghini and what I'm really wanting to create is like freedom and like a sense of power and yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, feeling yeah. like maybe important or like, just like, I feel sexy, like in this Lamborghini. Yes. Yeah. So those feelings. So it's like, okay, that's the real like meat and bones of it is actually those feelings. Right. And then it's like, you can specifically hone into that. And like, let's say you actually do go get a Lamborghini. Like you might feel all those feelings. You might feel them briefly, but if it's something that has come like as a marriage of really staying connected to your feelings and inspiration and intuition that whole time, yeah, 
like the feelings don't necessarily come from getting that thing. The feelings have always existed in you then and along the way and after you get it and they continue. Mm-hmm. And a- another point to this is like on the opposite side, we could say I'm throwing away the vision like no goals. I'm just going to like follow my heart. And like, that's cool too. I mean, but I think it's almost like on the opposite end of the the spectrum. So instead of like fully being intellectualized and completely separate from your emotions, just trying to like make a list, like it's just a, a list of like, I will get the house. I will have the white picket fence. I will have a dog and get married and have precisely two children. And this is, you know, the idea of success on the other side of it, if it's like, I'm just going to be in my emotions and just follow every inspiration and whatever, it's like, is that really sustainable either? It's like, it actually, those, um, if, and this conversation actually came up today earlier, because I'm, I have a tendency to get really excited by inspiration and try to like do all the things. And I can't because I'm not like omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. <laughs> like I cannot physically do all the things. And I, you know, I, um, so it's like kind of learning to tether um, that inspiration and kind of ground it in what reality is as you move forward um, to creating and like manifesting something greater. So I definitely think it's a marriage of like that 3D, 5D, um, emotional plus the the physical, the structure, taking action steps. Um, So it's it's taking action on the inspiration and intuition. So if you have if you're following your heart and you're literally taking the steps, then it's like that masculine energy part of you can do some planning and can pack rations and, you know, have ideas, you know, and then that, that emotional feedback that you have along the way, um, you know, it, that's how you get to like really where you want to go that, that matters. That's important to you. So when you were describing that, I kept thinking about Lamborghinis. First off, I want to say I'm using the word Lamborghini just because it's like the, uh, it feels like a, it's just like a totem of like, you know, the, the yeah. flashy thing that you want to get. Yeah. I have an actual car. It's a 63 Lincoln Continental convertible. Okay. And I've visualized this a few times, right? So it's a very classy, very long, very floaty convertible from the 60s. It's beautiful, right? I think I've seen one. But as we just sat here and talked about this, I, I realized something. And it was this. It wasn't. It's not about. And this is like, okay, this is like, maybe this is dumb, okay, but this, I'm just having a thing. I'm just going to tell it. Yeah, sure. It's not about the car, right? I will never be the car. The car is not the thing. It's always me that I wanted to be there. It's always the person, like in the dream, right? Yes. And it's like, okay, well, that, I just took a step. It was like a strange, it was a small step, but it was like a step in. And it's like, okay, the me, right? And I think about what that essence is and what that flavor is and what that energy is because I'm experiencing that right now. There's a me here. There's a yeah. me here right now. And I have whatever energy that I have to create right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the beautiful thing that I can see is that, like, if I can harness and be with and... If I can harness and be with and extract more pieces of me to be more me, then I could be the fullest me. And maybe that's with Lamborghinis and Lincoln Continentals or whatever it is, you know. But it's really just a, like a comfort, a, a comfort, comfortable, a comfort in my own being, like a strength in my own being, like a uh, like a juiciness in my own being and a joy in just being myself. Yeah. That's yeah. really what I want, right? You said that so well. So it's it's a version of you that you want to experience. Like yeah. you want that experience. And also what having manifested that thing, 
means like that that version of you that has done that means right. something. Like yeah. and there's all these feelings that come along with it. It's just like planets, you know, it's like the sun has all these satellites around it and it's because the sun has all this power in it, you know? And so it's like I am the sun and around me uh, hovers, you know, Lamborghinis and nice houses and like all these friends and like this like joy that just radiates out from from me, from my being, you know? Yeah. Boobs. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, so. So that's like, that's just a little bit of a shift, you know? Like, uh, hmm. I don't know, it was a small step. It, it wasn't a big step, but it was a step from like the thing out there, the things, and then thinking this linear, linear little box way out here into right. the own essence of my own being how i feel and how what kind of power i move in because i i can feel when i move with with vive you know and when when i when i there, there's like connectedness and groundedness and power flowing through, i can feel that i notice that like it doesn't happen that often but sometimes it happens and it's like yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah and it, it's interesting because the other thing that is important from staying connected to that vision um and and by that i don't mean like gripping it and being like the vision has to look exactly this or it's not right yeah like holding on to it it's like letting the emotions be the guide first that like you're on the right path and then like and like i believe in specific manifestation i really do i think it takes mastery in order to be really specific, but also there's something um, that is even more important than that, that um, Azria and Ben talk about in their videos. And it was so beautiful. And so it was so um, impactful that I made a little note about what she had said, because I thought Please it share. Would, hopefully I can find it really fast. Um, she said, you are more than everything I didn't know I wanted. You are the dream I didn't have the imagination to dream. And I just was like, I thought that was so beautiful. And um, and then they had asked some questions um, also in this, this email. And one of the questions was like, beyond your own preferences of what you're wanting to create, like what does love want? Because there's all, there's like a part of us that like we don't even have the imagination right. and we don't even have the entire perspective of everything that's going on in our conscious, unconscious, and then all of these connections that we have with other people, conscious and unconscious, and and just like all of the moving parts. Like we can't see all of that. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't. And, and like there's so many secret compartments within ourselves. Like we just cannot know um why you know certain things work out why they don't but it's like if we can surrender to something and trust that there is a a greater mind a greater love that that knows us so well and knows all of the things and it's like can we actually surrender into like letting go of some of those details mm -hmm. so that we're not holding on to the specific thing but letting something greater come through yeah, and it, just imagine that. Like, like I don't pretend to be omniscient, right? And maybe if you could get a hold of like all of the, uh, say, uh, patterns that could drag us down or keep us locked up, right? That if we could unlock ourselves a little bit and come into a little bit of a vibe about about the creative potential that that can flow in, and then surprise you, right? Like. Honestly, it feels a little bit scary, you know. <laughs> the surprises are like the best, you know. Like being surprised by something, like pleasant, well, pleasantly. I mean, unpleasant surprises are, yeah, are generally not good at all. Yeah. Um, and they can be the source of like some humor in movies when it happens to other people, but when it happens to us, it's uh, generally not not wanted. But like pleasant surprises where it's just like more than anything you could have ever imagined is right. like, wow. Like yeah. who doesn't want their mind blown, you know? Yeah. At least from time to time. Well, I think I can see it. Like I, I think that I can identify with the guy in the Lamborghini about what that energy is. I think that I, at least a sliver, right? But that's just a sliver, and there's probably so much more 
that's there. I don't know. I think just think that's hopeful. That's hopeful and uh, I think good to like leave that door open for all the possibilities that yeah have potential out there. All right. Last bullet point that we have is this are we going to do another bullet point? I don't know. We're like we are past. No, we're right about in an hour here. So I don't know. This feels like a pretty good uh, well, spot. We could. I know it's. I mean, we could briefly touch on it, and if you feel like it needs more time, then we can always. Uh, I want to. No, I want to come back to this one. You do? Yeah, because I. I Cause I want to, I want to, I want to form my question more. It's about being healed in relationship, wounded in a relationship, right? Like wounded. being in a parentified relationship where, you know, walking around somebody's eggshells or being, you know, told things in confidence where you shouldn't have been that set you up at a pretty young age. So it's like, okay, that's how it's set up. But then I hear a lot around in the different things that I've read that it's like, wounded in relationship and then healed in relationship and then you would talk about like uh you know well you can develop a relationship with yourself yeah. which always seemed kind of goofy to me until like you know right like i had some shit come up yesterday and uh you know a lot of shame and anger and i showed up for myself in a really pretty quick manner you know just like comforting myself, letting myself know that it was okay and was able to, you know, be there for myself and show up for myself where I didn't go off the rails, where I had like a similar situation that had happened a couple of weeks ago and I did go off the fucking rails emotionally. And so it was interesting that in that moment I did it. I knew that it wasn't the end of the world. We had survived it before. I comforted myself and then it was okay. Yeah. And yeah. so I guess in that, because whenever I heard people talk about it before, you know, injured in relationship, healed in relationship, I always thought like, hey, I got to impress some goddamn woman, you know, and be like, you know, hi, I'm Nick, I'm a fucking basket of fucking problems, <laughs> you know, like heal me. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm glad that it's not necessarily that. Well, yeah. So, I mean, this is, yeah, you're right. It's a big topic. And it's like expanding the definition of relationship right is is important because then it's like you can have a relationship with yourself um there are different kinds of relationships you can find yourself in that you can do healing so i mean we can talk about this and um uh, anxious more anxious attachment stuff because that seems to be hitting a, a all right i can dig it all right so come back for number six uh, i'll leave a comment if you'd like us to talk about something specific, you know, or a like, you know, helps it get out if you like what you're hearing. Check out Angela's stuff at Epic Initiator on Instagram. I'm over at Narlkick, N-A-R-L-K-I-C-K at Instagram. And you can look at pictures of weird things that I post, you know. Get a hold of me. We'll talk. We'll do it. Thank you for hanging out, Angela. It's a pleasure. Great. And it's always a pleasure Bye. to talk to you. Until then, uh, it's so emotional. Peace. Bye, everyone. Bye.